couldn't help but think of that day when we will all be before the Lord praising Him in the throne room and people of every nation, tongue, and tribe of every epoch and age of earthly existence will be gathered together as one because God is one. What's before us until that time is learning to live that out. To, to taste it in our own lives today. It's throughout the New Testament. I mean, Paul talks about it over and over again, as we'll, we'll see, as we've already had presented to us in Ephesians 4, where he says, make every effort. Don't just give it a try. You know, if you think about it, you know, if it happens, that's great. Let it just flow. Make every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Put effort and time and energy and resources and thought so that everyone who is following Jesus will be one in the Spirit in the bond of peace because that's what heaven will be like. That's what we pray every time we pray the Lord's Prayer. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. To his letter to the Corinthians, in the first one, chapter 1, verse 10, Paul says, I, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, not just I suggest to you or if you get around to it, but I appeal to you by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that all of you be in agreement and there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same purpose. And he goes on to say, is Christ divided? Then neither should His people be divided. And of course, Jesus knew it also, as we've been singing in John chapter 13. He knew that the unity of His followers, get this, the unity of His followers would be one of the greatest evangelistic techniques the world would ever see. By this the world will know you're my disciples. Not by the great programs that we do. Not by the great buildings we might have. Not by the, the, the wonderful gifts that we might give to the community. Not by all the, the fancy ways that we can proclaim the gospel. That, that's not the way that Jesus tells us the world will know we're His disciples. The world will know you're my disciples by your love for one another. The world will know you're my disciples if you truly act out in the midst of all of your differences and diversities and anger with each other and disagreements that you be the Jubilee community. If you be that Jubilee community, 
that Luke chapter 4 community, the world will see and know that you're my disciples. Jesus tells us that you know a tree by its fruit. Well, here's a whole bunch of fruit representing each of us as the fruit. Somebody said, you know, it might have been better if you'd said nuts. You had a bowl of nuts up there. But a bowl of fruit of different shapes and sizes and colors. But one, because we're in the same bowl, we're in the same boat, we're headed in the same direction as followers of Jesus. That, that beautiful bowl of fruit that is one, that the world sees and recognizes that we are following the same Lord together. A lot better to be a bowl of fruit than to be a fruit cake. Because we know fruit cake, there's only one of them, and we just pass it around to each other every Christmas. The, uh, it's the world's pain and anguish It's the world's distrust and anger that is the backdrop for us being that that bowl of fruit. If we are able to to get along, to work together in all of our differences against the backdrop of of the world's distrust and anger, then how much more, how much easier has the world made it for us to demonstrate that unity in Christ? I mean, was it a couple weeks ago that Junior hit his 600th home run? And you know where that ball is now? In court. They can't even decide who caught the thing. So they got it in court. Two people trying to argue as to whose ball it should be. I think the judge should be like Solomon, just cut it in half. Just this last week, another teenager was in court for filming a fight of their peers in school. And to find out there's page after page after page of, in schools of students not stopping fights, but filming them. Three of people in this room were lifeguarding this week. A couple of them just started. And their first week... They had a boy, nine or ten years old, cuss, cuss them out, give them a number of vulgar gestures as the lifeguard was trying to stop them. Their, the kid's dad was on the other side of the pool, which you'd think was a good thing, and it was. He stopped him. He said, come here, and then cussed him out in earshot of everyone there. Another boy in the pool didn't want to leave the pool when the lifeguard said it's time to get out. Started running around the pool and eventually had to call the police. As the the police showed up, a, a gentleman was just walking by the pool and he saw the police pull up and he took off running. And so the police jumped out of their car, started running, pulled their guns. Other police cars showed up. They finally stopped him. And then, this is true, then at the end of the day, 
at the pool as two mothers show up to pick up their children. Somehow, they get into a fight, literally. One starts bleeding. An ambulance has to come and take them to the hospital. That's the backdrop for us to be one, to to get along. Can't you see Jesus, how wise He was then and now? If we simply can follow Jesus so closely, can be so committed to Him that everything else pales in comparison so that we are able in our differences to be one, it won't take the world much to see just how drastically different a community is centered around Jesus or centered around something else. We, as the church of Jesus Christ, have the opportunity to show the fruit of the Spirit. To show in our relationship with one another and with other believers, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness, faithfulness, goodness and self-control. We have the opportunity in this challenging age of increasing distrust, of increasing rage, to show the world that Jesus is real. Not just in some day to come, but in today. And that the Spirit is alive in us if we make every effort to keep our unity and bond of peace if we make the effort to truly be a jubilee community of different ages, of races, of countries, of political persuasions, different amounts of money in our bank account, or different amounts of debt in our mailbox, with different likes and dislikes. If we can show that in Jesus we are one, the world will see and begin to believe. Now what I want us to do is look at Acts chapter 15. Here is a passage where we see the early church dealing with their differences, dealing with their frustration, dealing with real controversy. I don't want to look at what the controversy is, but I want to look at how they handled it. What can we learn, practically speaking, in our own situation today, from the church in its very beginning, and how it dealt with conflict? It's page 899 in your pew Bible. Just to set the scene, the controversy is that you've got some set of Christians that say, in order to be a Christian, you have to also be Jewish. You have to follow the law of the Old Testament. You have to, have to do that. You have to be circumcised. You have to eat accordingly, according to ritual purity. And others were saying, no, that's no longer the case. That Jesus fulfilled the law. It's completed. And now we are one, not because of those things, but we are one because of faith in Jesus Christ. 
And it was major disagreement. Because what they were saying was that, that God's doing a new thing. God's taking us to a new place in, in Jesus. So it caught, I mean, any change causes friction. Well, this was major change, so major friction. How did the church deal with it? Acts chapter 15, starting with verse 6. The apostles and elders met together to consider this matter. After there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, My brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you, that I should be the one through whom the Gentiles would hear the message of the good news and become believers. And God, who knows the human heart, testified to them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as He did to us. And in cleansing their hearts by faith, He has made no distinction between them and us. Now therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing on the neck of the disciples a yoke that neither our ancestors nor we have been able to bear? On the contrary, we believe that we will, we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus, just as they will. The whole assembly kept silence and listened to Barnabas and Paul as they told of all the signs and wonders that God had done through them among the Gentiles. After they finished speaking, James replied, My brothers, listen to me. Simeon has related how God first looked favorably on the Gentiles to take from among them a people for his name. This agrees with the words of the prophets. As it is written, After this I will return, and I will rebuild the dwelling of David, which has fallen. From its ruins I will rebuild it, and I will set it up, so that all other peoples may seek the Lord. Even all the Gentiles over whom my name has been called. Thus says the Lord, who has been making these things known from long ago. Therefore, I have reached the decision that we should not trouble those Gentiles who are turning to God, but we should write to them to abstain only from things polluted by idols and from fornication and from whatever has been strangled and from blood. For in every city for generations past, Moses has had those who proclaim him. For he has been read aloud every Sabbath in the synagogues. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now what I, I think we see here is jubilee communication. In the midst of our differences, how our unity is worked out. How we make effort to be one in the midst of conflict. We see in the beginning, what we see throughout, open communication... Respectful communication, clear communication, personal communication, pursuing God's communication. Verse 2, if you still have your Bibles open, look there, I didn't read this, but you'll, this is where Paul and Barnabas are arguing with the other people down in uh, Antioch. After Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to discuss this question with the apostles and the elders. And then, 
We have verse 6, where the apostles and elders met together to consider the matter. After there had been much debate, then Peter stood up. And this is open communication. But let's allow for the different perspectives and understandings to be communicated. Let's not squash them. Let's allow them to speak. I mean, notice here, conflict and difference and dis- dissension and debates, they're not bad. It's just the, the realities of life. In a way, it's like breathing oxygen. It's not good or bad, it's just it's what we breathe. Conflict is going to happen when human beings come together. What's bad is unresolved conflict or bitterness or anger or sweeping it under the rug or looking the other way, acting like it will go away. Because there was much dissension, much debate. Over and over again, they were allowed for Paul and Barnabas to speak and the others to speak. I mean, Jesus says the same thing in Matthew 5, where He says, don't even leave your offering. If you've got something against another... whomever that might be, against a brother or sister in Christ, don't even leave your offering. Leave your offering in your pew. Go get right with them. Open communication. Don't just sit on it. Don't just let it fester. Don't just think it'll go away. Deal with it. Paul says the same thing later on in Ephesians 4. Be angry. In other words, it's okay. Be angry. That's going to happen. But do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Don't make room for the devil. And he continues. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. And get this. This is how we grieve the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4 verse 31. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander. Together with all malice. You want to squish the Spirit? Then live in anger and malice and slander. You want to squish the Spirit? Then talk about people instead of talking to them. You want to grieve the Spirit in our community of faith then talk about people instead of talking to them. goes on. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven you. Friends, if you have unresolved conflict with one another, a bitterness, an anger, something that just gets in your crawl, as my football coach used to say. It's your responsibility to do something about it. It's your responsibility to open that communication. And for those of us in the leadership of the church that God has placed in that position, it's our responsibility to foster that open communication. We have all kinds of options and learning tools here in the care and counseling ministry through listening classes, 
through a healing service. If your, your bitterness or anger is with a brother or sister who's no longer with us, it's sort of hard to talk to them about it. But bring that to the Lord. Come to the, to the healing service. Offer it to Him in, in prayer. Take advantage of the, the listening classes. And if you find yourself just unable to deal with it, you know, call up the care and counseling ministry. That's why they're here, to have listeners and counselors to help us work through that angerness and bitterness. I mean, it is that important. It is absolutely essential for us to continue to move forward as a community of faith, for us to, in healthy ways, have open communication. If it's with the church and the leadership of the church, and talk to me, talk to an elder, somebody that's on the session. We can't let bitterness take its root. We can't, in our own unwillingness to address the conflict, grieve the spirit and short-circuit our witness and allow a rotten apple to spoil the whole bowl. All right, so it wasn't just open communication. It was also respectful communication. The apostles and elders met together to consider the matter. Verse 6. And then verse 12. The whole assembly kept silence and listened to Barnabas and Paul as they told what God was doing. Actually, in verse 6 and 12, it's the same word that is translated in verse 12, silence. Which meant there was an order. There was an allowing for each word, a respect for every person's perspective. To hear and discern that the Spirit, the common Spirit that is in all believers... We, we gathered to hear each of those perspectives so as to discern God's call. It was respectful communication. Again, Paul says in Colossians 3, But now you must get rid of all things, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive language from your mouth. Get rid of them. Do not lie to one another. Seeing that you have stripped off the old self with its practices and have clothed yourself with the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge according to the image of its creator. In that renewal, there is no longer west sider or east sider. There is no longer liberal or conservative, Democrat or Republican, or even Libertarian Independent. There is neither North nor South, but Christ is all and in all. Took a few liberties the end there. Colossians 3. What an amazing collection of passages over and over again that speak to our unity and the necessity of open and respectful communication to deal with, to own and deal with our anger, our slander, and even abusive language. Again, we don't talk about one another, but we talk to one another. 
I even had somebody, actually a number of folks recently, independently of one another, say they've had to make a choice recently. In their conversations, when they get together with um, fellow church members, they're choosing to not say anything negative about the church. That says a lot. But that, one, they recognize it's a choice. That that they're going, they have to, to focus and look to the good things that God is doing. Instead of focusing on the things they don't like. And talking about other people. But instead, if those things still sit with them, if they don't roll away, then to address them face to face, hand to hand, pew to pew. Open communication, respectful communication that is seeking God's communication. And it's seeking it in three different ways. They share the events that are happening around them. They share what they see. They share what what God is doing among them. They compare it with the Scriptures. And then they follow the leadership of the gathered community. Through the events, verse 12, I told you, we already said, the whole assembly kept silence. They listened to Barnabas and Paul as they told of all the signs and wonders that God had done through them among the Gentiles. Yesterday, we had a a meeting here in this very room with deacons, elders, and staff. It was... uh, Most of the called and leadership of this particular congregation. And we had a great breakfast together. We came in here at a wonderful time of of praise and prayer together. And we were going to watch a a video. It was really going to hammer it home. And video had scratches on it. And it couldn't be played. And it wouldn't work. Uh, I thought it was okay to play frisbee or street hockey with those things. But I guess not. And so then we had to regroup. And we ended up doing was asking the question, how are we doing? How are we doing as a, a community of faith? We, we've said over and over, we want to be a jubilee community. We want to be this community that is following the ways of Jesus in Luke chapter 4. When, when He gave His marching orders. Well, if that's what He was going, and, and, and we're followers of Jesus, we want to do what He's doing. So we want to be about bringing good news to the poor. Bringing release to those that are captive, bringing sight to the blind and, and freedom to those that are oppressed so that we can all enjoy the year of God's favor. And what one of the things that ended up happening through that time is so we asked, how are we doing? We said, well, what are the events that are going on? What are the things that we're hearing, that we're seeing, that God is doing? Is it lining up with this mission? And we had some folks there that had just returned from Honduras. Families, whole families that had gone together with sunlight power to visit remote villages and schools so that they could have solar power and light when it's dark. So that they could continue to teach and learn and grow 
beyond the availability of sunlight. Thursday night, we gathered. Again, it's just in the last two weeks. Thursday night, we gathered at Land Fair. Folks from this church and other churches in College Hill and North College Hill to focus on being one in Christ in the midst of particularly our racial differences. We had 44 people there, 23 white followers of Jesus, 21 black followers of Jesus. And we sat at tables, mixed it up in order to talk about racial issues. In order to talk about how do we demonstrate our unity in Christ is greater than even our racial differences and misunderstandings. How do we do that? And a member of this congregation who's sitting in this room now, towards the end, stood up and said, we're going to have a unity walk. We, we, we want every Christian, every color, every church, we, we want to, at our block party, we want to start at the, the old Kroger. And we just want to walk down Hamilton Avenue together in a, a walk of praise and prayer and, and unity to, to simply show Hamilton Avenue that we're one in Christ. Uh, sounds like some captives are being released. Last week, folks from this church who've taken leadership in, in community redevelopment met at, at St. Clair and, and folks from other churches. Part of working in neighborhoods to provide housing. Not just decent housing, but good housing for people in this neighborhood. And they've organized together the churches and, and others to, to buy houses that are dilapidated, that are vacant, and either refurbish them or raise them and build new ones. And so far they've done that in four different houses just in the neighborhood within a half a mile of this building. Wow. Sounds like the oppressed, the homeless are being set free. Sounds like people are receiving the favor of God. Just last Sunday, Sue Pangalo stood right there with a group of others to say that she was going to join the church. She shared with us a little bit of her story and she shared with us in the class her story that after her husband died, she felt all alone. Lost. Useless. And she, she turned to God in prayer. God, show me. Take me to the church that I need and that needs me. And it was years. It took years of her faithful, persistent prayer and following God. And she believes that God led her, and I agree with her, to hear. That here is the place that her captivity, her oppression has been released not just for what she gets, but for what she gives. Sounds like Jubilee. Two weeks ago, the interns were downtown. The interns that we'll pray for in just a little bit. The new, uh, for this summer, summer interns at the, for the children and family ministry. Training with City Cure. 
and over the Rhine area and urban ministry. And as they're going through their day, a man comes up to a couple of them, just says, you know, I'm lost, I'm broken, I need God. And they had the opportunity to sit with him on a street corner, downtown, share with him the love of Jesus Christ and, and pray with him to receive that same love to follow Jesus. Sounds like jubilee. Sounds like sight given to the blind, freedom to the captive over and over again. And those are just some of the stories that we shared. As we look around, we hear, we see, we want God's communication in our open and clear, our open and respectful sharing, talking with each other. We will recount and see what God is doing. It will be in concert with His Word and the leadership of the church, as they did yesterday, is called to communicate that and to lead us in His direction. Open communication. Respectful communication in order to hear God's communication. But then is clearly communicated. Verse 20. Is where we hear James saying, we should write a letter. We should write a letter to the Gentile Christians in these three cities that they should do this, 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 and this in order to keep the peace, in order to work for the peace. It's not necessary for their salvation. But in this situation, this is what these Gentiles should do so that they can work side by side and be one with the Jewish Christians in their midst. And it seems like this arena of clear communication comes up about every three months, especially in discussions of the leadership of the church. I'll speak for us. I didn't ask for their permission to do this, but I'll speak for us. We don't know how to do that. In this, this day and age of where more is less, where we have a communication glut, we were sitting in here yesterday saying, look at all these great things. How do we communicate that to the congregation? We, we need your help. Help the leadership of the church know how best to, to clearly communicate the things that God is doing and the way that God is directing us. It takes that clear communication to deal with the diversity, the differences, and the conflict that we will naturally have, but which we want to work through, to move forward, to follow God's communication to us. And then finally, it's personal. Verse 22, they send the letter, and they send about five messengers with them to take the letter. It doesn't take five people to carry a letter or to read it, but it's because the letter was the clear, but then the people were to make the personal communication. And that goes back again to that principle of not talking about someone, but talking to them face to face. And that's why this summer, after this service, around 1230 We'll have a brown bag lunch in the fellowship hall. 
just to gather and talk about particularly the passage of the day and how we live that out. How, how we flesh it out in our community because some of the things we will talk about will be some of the very things that divide us. So how do we communicate about that, understand one another in open, clear, respectful ways to hear God's Word to us so that we can follow Him in the midst of our diversity, being unified. Again, it's also why the session is sought to have quarterly potlucks where we'll get together and, and share some of the things that are going on, both listening and speaking. It's why we try to have a website, why we have a hot off the press articles, bulletins, and email letters, and even going to start a quarterly newsletter again. To be able to talk, to interact, to hear, and to share. Again, part of Jubilee community. Part of showing the fruit of Jesus is real in a diverse community. Is to practice, to make the efforts of open, clear, respectful, personal communication. So that we will hear the communication of God and follow Him. What I'd like for us to do now is take a moment of prayer and to break into groups of two or three and simply to pray for one another. To to work out that unity. To make that effort. And one of the best ways of doing that is simply to pray with one another. And what I ask you to do... Now, if this... It just sort of totally blows your comfort zone. You know, you don't have to do it. And invite you to. Feel free to say, you know, this is just beyond me. I just happened in here. I thought maybe y'all had food today or something. And feel free just to say no. Or just a guidance. Simply find the name of the person you're going to break into this group with. And just ask God's blessing upon them. And that God would use them to bring unity to show the fruit of the Spirit. Just God bless them and use them to to bring unity and show the fruit of the Spirit. Alright? Break into groups of two and three and then I'll pray in a moment to close us up. Let's pray.